Welcome to the 401 Jake Show. So glad you're here. This week's episode is really fun because we spent some time with David Alsop. And I couldn't even make it to this episode. I was out meeting with a group of dentists. You'll hear about that more later. But David was able to teach us in the club about connecting with HR. Human Resources, one of the people that really plays a big part in the 401k world. We need to understand their role. We need to understand how they fit into different company cultures. And he broke that down into four different levels and it was really clear and helpful. So you're gonna enjoy this episode. If you're trying to connect with HR, make sure you take notes and you take action. Thank you again to David and Sean Beard for kicking it off for us. Enjoy the episode. All right, well, it's 12 o'clock. Uh, thanks everybody for, for jumping in. Um, Jake asked me to kind of host this today. Um, Shannon's jumping in here, so one second, we'll let, let Shannon jump in here now too. Um, so again, Jake's out of, he's playing on snowmobiles, so uh, good for him um, and, and doing some work. But uh, David Alsop is here. I'm going to let him do all his introductions. Um, I'm actually really excited about today um, to learn about how to, how to break in the HR uh, world. So, um, David, I will let you, you take it away from here. All right. Thanks, Sean. Um, break into the HR world. That's a, that's a good question. Um, I'll, I'll do a quick introduction of myself and then just introduce how I'm going to approach this today for each of you in thinking about HR. Uh, when Jake asked me to speak to you today, um, he really begged that question of, can you just educate us about HR? and thinking about how we can better connect. And the way I looked at it is having started out my first role, my background is I actually started out uh, about 18 years ago as a sales representative after college at Kraft Foods, now Kraft Heinz Company. And so I had three years in sales where I think I was an okay salesperson. I don't promote myself to be an expert to you guys on selling and building the connections where you need to but I know enough to know what you're dealing with and how you're dealing with that. So I was the crazy salesperson actually that decided I wanted to help human experience in the company that I was in at Kraft, help leaders and help employees succeed. And then I got into HR and realized it sucks. That's not what I was doing. That's not what I was tasked to do when I first got into HR. But I spent most of my career at Kraft Foods for 13 years working with leaders to define how they wanted HR to work to help them succeed for them and their employees. And that's really where my success has always come is not taking what the HR traditional way of thinking is driving it. It's really HR to me is about aligning with leaders on how we can help their organization succeed and help their employees have great lives and great results together. Um, so, about five years ago, I left Kraft Heinz after they told me my next move was actually my dream move to move back to Chicago. But my wife told me, I don't really want to live in Chicago. So we made the decision to uh, move away from Kraft Foods in the Midwest where we were living and move back to where me and my wife grew up here in Utah. And we're located here in um, American Fork, Utah. And uh, we just jumped ship and came out here. And so my history has been going through this transformation in Utah, where I started up a concept where I met Jake, which was called Disrupt HR Salt Lake City, which has now evolved into a concept called uh, JumpSpark LLC, 
where I just wanted to help HR modernize in Utah and learn from some of the things I learned in my big company experiences in the Midwest at Kraft Heinz Company. And I didn't realize how much angst there was in this marketplace for HR people to actually get, get a breakthrough and do the modern HR that they thought they were getting into and then they weren't allowed to in their companies. And so I've been doing that for four years, just once a, once a year we do a conference and we try to disrupt things. And now all I do uh, side hustle on that is just if people wanna talk about how to connect with HR or connect across the differences that we all face in society around the human experience, uh, I'm just available to talk to people in my moonlight hours. And that's what JumpSpark really is, is one it's HR, but it's also the human experience. So um, what I thought I would do for you guys is, I've been through all the different formats of HR in my career now. Um, and I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. I've started over and had to transform from good, bad, and now to where I believe we're in a great place at Ultradent Products where I currently work. Uh, I lead HR at Ultradent Products. We're a 1600 person organization around the globe. Uh, we make dental products that uh, a lot of you may have in your mouth so you don't know it. Um, it's the dental devices, the dental composites, the dental uh, anything that dentists are using to work in your mouth is what we make. Um, our best known product by consumers is actually opalescence teeth whitening. It was the original uh, groundbreaking teeth whitening about 30 years ago that came into the market to introduce consumer uh, connected uh, teeth whitening. Uh, and it's been there ever since. And we make toothpaste uh, and you can buy our toothpaste on Amazon for the first time outside of the dental office. Um, but my story at Ultradent started out four, four years ago now, taking over a team of 17 HR professionals where I had to go back 30 years and I had to go start over and work with an organization of HR people and a trust factor with executives and employees that was not where I wanted it to be. And I've spent the last four years transforming the team, the trust, and the organization to a place that I've never been happier in my career. And I've never had a group of people that's as happy as they are right now being in HR. And it's a very proud moment for me to be able to say that but it, it took a lot of hellish work to get the right people on the ship, to get the right executives to partner, to build trust and trust us to do the right things. And so what I'm gonna do is, I'm just gonna share with you guys what I've learned about HR in a unique way and really lay out the groundwork of how I think you can think about where do you invest your time? Because the environment of selling is knowing when you're going to say, I, I don't want to waste my time with these guys. It's a waste of time. It's not good. And where am I going to invest in the long term? Because my belief system in any sale, and especially the big sales where you're dealing with these bigger companies, is it's not going to happen this year or next year sometimes. It's going to happen in five years when their contract's up and they know they've got someone that they can trust that has shown them the facts to get to the right place for their next evolution of 401k in, in your cases. So let me share my screen. And then at the end, I do want to open it up just to questions you guys have about how to connect and the different personalities you guys have seen, because I, I really love the comments you guys put into the LinkedIn post I made about your frustrations with HR, because it can be frustrating. And, and I know that. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna share my screen and I'm gonna 
have a little bit, bit of fun with this presentation. Um, okay, here we go. Sean, I think you can see the screen. I'm just going to make it bigger now. You see that okay? Yeah, you're good. Okay. So this is what I call human resources, knowing when to hold them, knowing when to fold them, knowing when to walk away and knowing when to run. So I hope some of you know where that comes from. If you've never heard of Kenny Rogers, it's a song about gambling. I'm not going to promote myself to be a professional poker player, but I'm going to use the playing cards and the faces and the suites of playing cards to explain a couple things about HR, the influence levels that HR has in some cases, and then the responsibilities that they have in different fashions of HR. And by the end of it, I just want to give you guys a model that you can think about and try to apply in different ways to know that sometimes you just need to run and you need to get away from certain organizations where you're going to waste your time. But sometimes you're going to see an organization where you just know when the time's right, if I invest long enough, hard enough, and build enough trust with this organization, that's going to be a big win for me and for them. And I'm presenting this with the understanding and assumption that each of you has a product that you truly believe is differentiating from the other products out there that you can sell to people. And so this is the first dynamic you're going to deal with that you have to accept. And I think you guys probably know this. It's a saturated market of selling. Um, the higher you go up in the organization in HR as a CFO, as a CEO, as chief, chief operating officer, you don't even check your phone anymore because it's owned by sales calls. There is so much innovation out there. There's so much um, product out there. And then when you get into insurance and into 401k, um, it is truly a saturated market that even the best HR people just are trying to hide from the calls and figure out when I'm ready, I'll call you. Um, and so the days of, you know, a call coming out of the blue to say, you know, this is the right one is very hard to find and hard to understand when that is because every single call that I get is someone saying that I'm going to transform your world. And in 401k, everyone's seeing my 5,500 and they know they can transform my 401k. And so where do you start? Where do you find someone? How do you identify who you're going to put on your assessment list the next time your 401k partnerships come up for contract? So just start with that knowing in everything that you're doing, you're competing in a saturated market where you may just get that initial reaction that they're, they're just trying to hide. They're just trying to hide so they can get to the meetings that are most important in their day. But when you get into the realities of it, you want to be the ace. You want to be the one that's going to break through that. And I just want to share with you where you should invest your time to not be, in the end, the joker that they think everyone is that's calling them. So I'm going to start with HR areas of responsibility to give you kind of a history of where some HR departments evolve, especially in startup environments. If you're connecting with startup and small size companies, there's an evolution they go through uh, with HR that can change over time. So the first and most ideal HR function, if you're getting to know their HR function in their world, is what I call the, you know, the diamonds. You know, they're the diamonds in the rough. Um, in the cards that I researched on the suites, this is the sword, the sword that can cut through and really have an influence in the organization. And so 
you'll see these functions are looked at both by what they do and by their executives as being the ones that own the talent and the culture experience. They're influencing it to a high level. They're building engagement with the workforce and they're driving performance because of those efforts. It's a tech and analytics function that they have an expertise that isn't just administrating a system, they are transforming systems and they are using analytics to make very scientifically sound decisions with their executives on people decisions, on benefits decisions, on everything that they do for the organizations. They look at pay and compensation as total rewards, not just compensation, not just benefits. It's a total reward experience. They manage and lead learning and development to help employees, leaders, and the organization be their best and have a growth mindset. And they're always learning. They're organizing for the next merger, the next acquisition, the next growth, and getting employees to successfully change through those environments. Uh, they acquire talent. They don't just recruit it. They don't just source it, and they don't just post it. And they have an employment brand that they're building that is authentically a great company to work for, and everybody knows it. This, when it comes to areas of responsibility, is the ideal in an HR environment. And this is where I've had to work very hard over a four-year period to get a function of HR people to understand how important it is to have this in your responsibility repertoire that the organization trusts you with, comes to you with, and wants your perspective on. And so if you go to the next level down, in the evolution of HR, you're going to see uh, a function when you talk to them that they're dealing with employee issues constantly. Um, so employee relations in the HR world is the code word and the nice word for firing people legally. You know, that's what they're dealing with. They're trying to make sure we don't get sued when we fire someone is with the way the organization use them, uses them. Um, so they also have to do benefits. They have to manage the organization through policies. They do training every once in a while, and then they're administrating and sometimes doing events for the organization. But as you look at this, you're going to start to see less of an influence that they have on broad decisions and being less looked at as a trusted function in the organization. Then you're going to go down to the hearts that they've got great hearts and they're trying their best but they do even less for the organization. And for them, they do employee relations, just fighting the fires of employee issues, never trying to fix those issues, just trying to get them out the door and move to the next one that you might fire in six months. Um, and they're administrating, their training is just doing harassment training to make sure no one sexually assaults anybody and they stop there. Uh, they have policies to make sure that everything's in control and they do parties. And then the final kind of starting point where I see a lot of organizations in the startup world, especially the first time a CEO that starts up their company thinks about it in a lot of cases is, I just need someone to help me manage these issues with employees legally. I need them to administrate all this crap that I need to get off my plate. And we need to start creating some policies that prevent these employees from making bad decisions. So as you look from right to left on this, um, picture that you see here, I'd invite you when you interact with people to kind of research their LinkedIn posts, research their background, research their career page to understand what are they doing in their company? Because it's very likely if you see them doing more and more of the things on the left side of this screen than they are on the right hand side of the screen, they're actually going to be in an influential, influential position 
to actually make decisions, to be trusted in their perspective, and for the CFO to rely on them to tell him what 401k to take, to rely on them on what decisions they do for benefits. And so that's the areas of responsibilities. Then you get into the HR leadership influence. And this is where uh, I saw a lot of comments on why, why this and why that when you interact with people. And by the end of me sharing this with you, I hope you, you think about why some of these HR people probably aren't on their best days when you interact with them. Some of them are probably really stressed out. Some of them are probably annoyed as heck why they took this job because it's not what they studied in their degree program. Um, and I've been there, you know, it's really hard to get outside of anything other than just surviving in your organization when you're not able to do the things that are actually influential in the organization. So I call these the aces on the left side. Um, you've got certain leaders in HR that are proactively credible in the decision-making of the organization. More often than not, they're in the C-suite. They are at the table with the executives really being relied on to make all of the decisions on the ideal state of the HR responsibilities that you saw on the previous slide. So they're really influencers. And this is really something you wanna think about when you think about where you spend your time in investing in the long game with HR people. Because there's a point in time where you need to give up on HR and go to the CFO. There's a point in time you need to go to the CFO, the CEO or the CEO, just to see if there's gonna be any click with that organization for you to invest time to become their new partner for their 401k. But if you see these kind of behaviors, if you notice these, if you're talking to them and having a, an interaction with them where you share the, with them what you're doing and they're sharing what you, they're doing, uh, one, you can see if they're in the C-suite, they're a vice president or their uh, chief HR officer, those titles will usually indicate that they're in a decision-making role. And that's where you should try to invest and become the ace and not the joker for them. Then you have the kings and the queens. And I think we kind of all know what kings and queens are like these days is, you know, they have authority perceived, but it's not real. It's not real influence. So these kings and queen HR influencers are, they're proactively trying to do the best things that it, but it's a mixed credibility. It's mixed. And so they don't always have trust in the organization on their decisions. So a lot of times they'll get second guests. They'll bring a really good idea that they think is out there, but they don't have facts. A lot of times what I've seen with employees that have worked for me that bring a proposal forward that are like this is they have this really great idea, but they, their fact is, is that I just love this. I think it's great. And then you ask them for, well, what's it, what's the return on investment? What's the cost? What's the benefit to us factually? And so this is where you start to see them not being trusted because they're not business people. They're just people people with a social science background that are there to just kind of fluff up things and give you a fluffy perspective every once in a while. So this is the group where a lot of times they bring an idea forward and it goes to the CFO just to say, do you think this is worth looking at in our organization or not? And the CFO is the one making the decision on that. Then you start getting down into the jack, and I call this the jack of all trades. You've got a lot of HR people that are departments of one sometimes that they are just reacting and trying to survive. They might be trusted to execute what they're doing, but they have so many things they're juggling that they're a master of nothing. So they can't be an expert in their organization on anything. 
So people just come to them and say, hey, where do I go for benefits? Where do I go for this? And they just try to survive and get them to the right place and then move on to the next question because they're just overwhelmed and they don't have enough resources to do the right things in the organization. So they are essentially just a, an administrative partner in the organization to deliver some of those things that HR is responsible for. Then you got the jokers that, you know, you probably shouldn't waste your time with these people at all and just go straight to the CFO because these are people who are reactive. They're just sitting at their desk waiting for the next issue, not proactively chasing the solution. They're not trusted. They're just there to hire and fire and try to make sure it's done legally and the managers aren't making mistakes in the process. They might do some policies every once in a while because they're sick of dealing with problems. So let's make a policy to tell people they can't do X and they're not really finding solutions. Um, and then sometimes the company needs to do a party. So let's do that person that probably has plenty of time to do it in the HR function. So when I think about the influence you're trying to connect with, I think about it from the aspect that as you build trust and connect with people on the first, on the second call, if you can get in that door and understand how they're respected, how they're looked at in the organization and what they're doing, then you can make the decision on where you should invest because you're gonna wanna know when you take an approach. And so this is a simple graph that I put together last night to say, if you have someone on the scale that you're thinking about spending money on your marketing dollars, on the upper side going across and on the left side going up, you're thinking about how much time you're gonna spend with them. If you've got a diamond function where you're hearing and seeing in the visibility online and talking to the people in their organization that they're doing all of those diamond duties, they're at the C-suite and you've got an really an ace leader that is trusted by the organization, that's where I would hold. I would invest, I would focus, try to get in the door. You might have to give up if they just are too overwhelmed, they won't give it to you. But I would try to get into the door with that organization because what you're dealing with there is someone that will be able to go to the CEO and the CFO when the contract comes up and say, this person is someone I trust and they are gonna do the right thing for our people with the fiduciary responsibilities that we have. And these people are actually fiduciaries in the organization. They are the ones that are on the committee for their 401k that make the decision and drive forward the decisions on what's best for the organization with the right facts, the right emotion and the right relationships. So play the long game here, invest here and know that you can spend more time with HR here versus running to the other functions early on. Then you gotta know when to fold them. If you're dealing with someone that has a second rate function that they're not all the way on the C-suite level, but they are with a title that appears to be authority, kind of just know, you know, they may have a title that's vice president or CHRO, but titles are thrown around very um, liberally, and especially in startup markets with small to mid-sized organization. So, you know, you're going to need to make a decision pretty quickly if you need to spend your time with the HR person and know that you know, if they're not doing innovative things, if they're not a modern function in their organization, they're not going to be trusted. And then if they're not able to have any influence in their decisions, you know, that's where you want to just kind of find out that as much as you can in the relationships that you may have in the organization and the things you hear and see from them online and just make the decision to fold it up and move on to the CFO uh, uh, and start seeing if you can make the break in there.
Um, then you go into the, um, you know, these are the jacks of all trades. They're just overwhelmed. They have no time. They have no training. They know have no experience in 401ks in your case to be able to even know what the right decision is. But they may joke with you and jack with you on trying to make you think that they are the expert. So you're going to have to be careful here to make the decision pretty quickly. If they're just joking with me and they're just trying to make me perceive that they have power, this is where you're getting into insecurities where they, they're trying to show that they're important, but in the end, they're just juggling everything and trying to survive in your organization. And then the worst is running. You know, you need to run from the jokers that um, they don't have any ability to make a decision for you. They don't have any responsibilities that are ever anywhere close to a 401k. And you can find that, that out pretty quickly when you're looking at their, um, their role, their title, and what they're doing in the organization when you see online presence. But in the end, my message is, is, you know, no one to hold them, no one to fold them, no one to walk away, no one to run. So you can take the right amount of time with HR and know when you need to jump to the CFO. Um, because I, I do believe the game that I've learned with 401k, with the medical and other benefits that I manage in my organization, um, I've had different kinds of approaches that have come to me that I'm that person that's getting all these calls. And I, I'll give you two profiles. I've got one profile uh, that comes at me, you know, sent, give me jazz tickets here in Utah, give me anything they want to get to get me in front of them. But the, the guy has no interest in me. They don't have any interest in anything other than I want to get this sale. They don't take the time to do anything other than, um, you know, connecting with me. And this one I'm thinking of, actually, I actually networked with this person before I even got my job and they treated me like crap. And then I got my job at one of the bigger organizations in Utah. And all of a sudden they knew my name, they were coming after me and they were laid into me. And I always remember how they treated me when I wasn't someone. <laughs> and that always stuck with me. So how you treat people really matters and how you connect with HR people and trying to be, um, trusted relationships. Um, take that time to build that relationship like we're told as, H as salespeople to be able to be the one that's there long-term. Because if you can get them to spend time with you, you know, once a year until their contract's up and you're the one that they're spending the time with, that's going to be a good sign that you're going to be the one that at the top of their list when the time comes. So I'm going to open it up there and just break up because you guys had any, had some questions and I just, um, Wanted to share that with the, the, the message of, you know, take the right time in the right places because as you get to know HR and if there's anything I can do after this call to help you understand HR, I'm more than happy to do that. But I'll uh, break this up and this part. And uh, Jake told me if you guys wanted to ask any questions, that's, that's really the rest of my time that I was going to do for you guys. Hey, thanks so much, Dave. That was awesome. I appreciate it. And Enjoy playing poker so that I hit the nail on the head. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, a question I have is, you know, when you're talking about, you know, the aces and a lot of times that might be who we you know, have some rapport relationship with. And then they're saying, yes, go speak to the kings or queens. Sometimes that's just to push it off and say, I don't want to deal with it. Other times they really do want the king and queens to, to understand it. At that point, would you would you push back at all, you know, if you knew that the Kings and Queens are, are, are not going to spend the time and, and try to stay at the ACE or do you kind of say, okay, I'll deal with the Kings and Queens and then try to come back. And you think 
if you're already talking to the ace and they try to refer you down and you know it's it's going to be dead in the water would you push back at that point or follow their you know process or request my recommendation because as i as i was listening to you you were talking about you've got an ace and they're just trying to delegate you to the next person like the cfo or someone else like that um, mm -hmm. um the way I'd look at it is you want them in the meeting with you. You want to treat them as the partner. And something that I, I don't think you're going to be pushy with is if you just help them understand, you know what, I, I really think long-term you're the person I need to have a part of this decision-making process because you uh, can make the right decisions. You can help them understand all angles, not just the financial angle of this decision. So would you mind coming with me and we set up the meeting together and all three of us sit down and talk about it because I think you can help make the right decision whether or not I'm the right person for you guys or not. So I would try to help them feel every part of being the partner of the decision and inviting them into the journey and encouraging them to understand that's what you're about. You know, I'm not about going to each person separately. I wanna have everyone on the same page to help everyone with all their different perspectives from financial to uh, people. And if they bring anyone else in, you know, I want you guys to make a, a team decision about this very important decision you're making. Um, I think that builds trust and it builds credibility with them and it makes them feel kind of important that you care that much about HR being involved. Cause I'll, I'll be honest, um, I, having been in an organization four years ago where I came in and took over a function that, you know, everyone knew not to come to HR on any decision with 401k. And, you know, I got that reaction from people is like, hey, you know, do you have time to talk to me? And, you know, if I had any question or I said at any point, you know, we're in a contract for the next three years, it's probably not a good time. They took that as that I'm not interested and they just called the CFO anyway. And he'd end up sending me an email with, hey, can you guys get these off my back and can you take care of it? So I, I really think keeping the organization on the same page when you have the ACE is the key. So they can be influencing the CFO um, because a lot of CFOs are going to just look at the bottom line and some of the best CFOs will look at both sides, but a lot of them will only look at the dollar. Sean, you had your hand up. Yeah. Hey, David, thank you very much. Um, changing gears a little bit. Um, instead of going at them with trying on the 401k and we want, you know, we are trying to sell you something, how do we add value to the HR person or assuming we have an A, someone that has access to the decision maker or as part of that is an influencer, how do we help them with their day to, to stay in front of them? Maybe it's three years before the contract's up. How do we add value instead of just keep pitching and, and, and being a salesperson? How do we add value to them? What do they need? What, what would be helpful for them? And it doesn't have to be 401k related, of course. Yeah, well, I'll start with 401k and I'll use myself as an example. I grew up in a Fortune 200 company in my career where I wasn't exposed to the top level decisions. Um, I got on committees towards the end when I became an executive at that company. But for the most part, I wasn't steeped in 401k and benefits and the decisions to make big dollar decisions until I was on committees at the end. And even then I, I really wasn't educated like I should be. And I think very few HR people are truly educated on the financial matters like the 401k. So I, I really, if you were talking to me and you offered, hey, I know you're three years out. Um, I'm not here 
and I don't even know if I'm going to get the sale with you, but would you like me to educate you and your benefits manager on the latest trends? And are there any other questions you have about 401k? Because that's where like Jake to me is my relationship that he doesn't, I don't have his 401k support at my organization, but I know I can go to Jake and sit down with him and, you know, say, Hey, can you educate me on how does this work? How does that work? Because I've met a few HR people in the startup market I'm in that are amazing with 401k knowledge and they're amazing partners for their organizations on 401k. That's something where I think a lot of HR people don't invest into the details. And if you can be their education partner, um, I talk to my CFO and my benefits manager that works for me all the time about, about the company that Jake's works for because I trust him. And I say, hey, can we bring him in to present in front of our 401k committee? And I don't know that his company is the right size for us, but I do know I can trust him to educate us. And, you know, the bottom line is if our committee liked him and he has information that shares that they're the right size and shape for us, um, that, that has him in the door. Um, I, I do think if you can get it away from the sale and just say, hey, I'm not here to sell you. I know it's three years out. So is there anything I can do in the intern, like help you understand this trend in the marketplace or help you understand anything? And if it were me, I would probably say, well, would you be willing to spend an hour with me just walking me through the 101 of 401k and whether what are the right decisions in the future? Um, I, I really think the HR function needs to be educated in many organizations and they don't need selling, they need education. And if you can insert yourself as the education teacher to them, I think your foot's in the door to be there at the end decision-making game. Great, thank you, David. Good feedback. Yeah, anyone else? Yeah, David, so my, my question kind of revolves around in this day and age with, you know, as busy as everyone is and not taking those phone calls, what are some different ways that people can be unique enough to get kind of through that, that gatekeeper? Yeah. It's a good question. Um, I've got a speaker in my office right now that I didn't ask for. I just got it in the mail. <laughs> I, I'm still trying to figure out if that speaker is going to make me listen to that tech vendor that sent me that for um, how I got this speaker was I got an email that perked my ears that just said, hey, just talk to me and we'll give you a free, you know, I think it was uh, the speaker and then some ear pods. Um, I'm kind of mixed because it got me to act. Um, I'm luckily in an organization where, you know, we're not going to get in trouble for um, accepting the marketing funds from other people at such a small level of uh, cost. Um, so it's, it's, it's hit and miss. You might be dealing with an organization where they can't accept anything from a vendor. That was one day, one way that person got in the door. And I, I don't mind talking to that person long-term, but I, I think the more ideal answer is um, if you can get off email and you can find a way to, um, I don't know. I, I, I think the reality is you've got three mediums that are pretty popular right now. You've got email, you've got cold call, and then you've got LinkedIn. Um, I, I think for me, the ones that I actually listen to um, it is tough because you're trying to screen and survive. 
I do think that's one example where it did help where they were actually willing to invest their money into the relationship. So that did tell me that they are truly invested in it. And they had a reputable company in this case that I was curious about. Um, so if you can spark their curiosity somehow, um, I, I think that's the thing because trying to break through, if you can just get your face in front of them, I, I just think one-on-one -on -one relationships start to blossom when you can talk to someone one-on-one, -on -one, but that's the key is how do you get to that one-on-one? -on -one? And in this case, they invested in a very, you know, a pretty good spark of a, I opened the email, quite honestly. I got a lot of emails I didn't open and he, he did a good job just saying, hey, I, I know you're not going to necessarily have the decision right now, but his title was, you know, just, just read this and we'll consider giving you this speaker. Um, I do think the only other thing I would tell you is, you've probably heard this before, don't automate um, the key accounts. I know you have to automate and get your name out there and stuff like that, but if you're really invested in an account, do everything you can to research them and find your authentic way of just saying, hey, I want to help you. That's all I want to do. Um, I know you might not have a sale decision. I won't even, you know, try to sell you on this call if you don't have a decision to make any time in the next few years. But I, I just want to talk to you and share with you what I do. Uh, trying to make it as personal as you can, I think, is the best way to break through because we get so many automated emails that you know, usually we're putting a rule on it to just put it into the delete box so we cannot have a filled up email box. But if there's a any sign of a personal connection on there, if you're dealing with a decent human being, they're going to see personal and think, you know, that person puts an effort into this. Why don't I just take a look at the email or look at the, the message? Um, yeah, it's even hard with LinkedIn. Like, <laughs> I like to accept people on LinkedIn. I'm just hoping they're wanting to truly be my friend. And then they follow up with an automated, you know, thanks for accepting my friendship. I want to tell you how much I can transform your company in this. Um, those ones are tough for me because I just opened up my network to you and you immediately went after me on that versus try not to automate that first connection with them as much as just be their friend take the time to get to know them as they post things on LinkedIn and then find the right way to just say, hey, can I connect with you and just introduce myself as a possibility in your future? Sorry, it's more brainstorming for me right now because <laughs> I've been where you are and I'm trying to figure out there, there, there's a huge wall of protection that people have right now because of the saturation market. So I, I think the only way people are breaking through is personal or investment. Okay, no, that helps a lot. Thank you, appreciate it. Yeah. That, I want one more question. I think when I posted uh, something to the group, I think it was actually Shannon responded with a great message, you know, saying, hey, don't start off with, you know, tell them their baby's ugly. You know, you, you really want to reverse that. And, and actually, you know, in a few calls we've had, it, it's worked to switch it up to, you know, opening it up to them, you know, initially. But prior to even getting that opportunity, you know, when you're trying to break through, whether it's via email or LinkedIn or call, if across C-suite, HR, if, if you're, you're really having a tough time getting in, but maybe you have clients that are at the organization or you, you understand that there, there really are some opportunities, would you ever respond you know, to something like, um, I know um, uh, Jake did the thing like for Gary V, you know, like, would you ever respond when someone's just clearly pointing out like, 
hey, here's what we're looking to do. We, we want to help. We have, you know, clients at the organization. You're here. Here's an example of a solution. Like we are looking to educate or just have, you know, uh, that initial meeting. Do you think when you point out such an opportunity that works? Or again, do you, you know, someone who's coming at you and telling you that, hey, look, here's a problem and solution. Do you tend to take that negatively and say, you know, what, you know, delete? I think Shannon was right on the button. Like if you're coming in all aggressively telling them, Hey, you know, everything about their situation, it sucks. You know, you guys are in the wrong boat. Um, if someone offers to you, Hey, yeah, tell me what you think. Like if they're the one offering to you the opportunity to give them feedback, you know, wait for them to give you the opportunity to be honest with them about what you think. But usually um, honesty upfront with a stranger relationship isn't the best approach. Um, building the honey into the relationship is the point where you get to a point where you say, hey, can I just be honest with you about what I've seen as I looked into your 5,500 and what I think we could do if you just give me the opportunity to educate you? I, I think there's just a point where you can build the trust to tell them you know, tactfully that they've got a gap that you think you can help with. I just don't think you hit them up front, like Shannon said. I think you got to really ease into the relationship. Um, I, I just consider, so my background is I thought about being a therapist. It's probably why I got into HR. Um, in my undergrad, I got it in marriage, family, human development, and I took a therapy class. And one of the, um, one of the most important things, um, you know, we talked about was, you know, how do you build such a trust in the relationship that the honesty is constant and it's helpful and it's crucial is coming out. Um, we all need honesty. We all need connection, but it's really, it's really not easy to take from a stranger. So that's, I mean, that's the simplest way to say, say it is find a tactful way to say it when you feel the trust is right to be able to say, Hey, do you mind if I just give you some education that I think I've learned just to verify that am I seeing it right on what I'm seeing that could help you or is there something I'm missing? Um, try to balance the aspect of their expertise that they should have, may not have, but they want to project that they have on their own plan. And, um, and rather than tell them their baby's ugly, just help them understand, hey, can I just verify that I could help you? Because I think I can. Um, I think there's just a, a, a tact approach that sometimes um, I think the best salespeople find the tactful way to get to trust. And then they lay on honesty when they've got that relationship that is truly glued in trust. Whereas others really think, you know, I deal with this all the time. Like, I'm just an honest person. Just get over it. The world needs to accept honesty. Well, we're not conditioned to trust strangers to tell us where we suck. Makes sense. Thank you. Yeah, I've got those up. I was going to look at maybe that's the way, way we can close out is some of the comments you guys made. Um, I think Michael, Michael said they seem, it, they seem to take it personal as if improving the plan and admitting it isn't good where they're falling. And it seems the messenger gets shot. I think that's the same thing. How do you pass the message on? So addressing that, like you said, Mike, that's what you asked. Um, Jake asked, I'll, I often find HR resists change even when it's huge, a huge win for the company, the employees and the HR director. They often play it safe and end up hurting the culture while talking about improving it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do think that's something that happens is from 
you, you guys sometimes see so clearly what they need to improve. Um, if you don't get to the trust factor to help them understand it, they probably are, you know, not taking the opportunity to invest in their employees like they should. And the bottom line is if they're at the C-suite level, they should be a fiduciary responsibility and they have an obligation to find the best constantly. And those are the best situations with those ACEs because I, I just went through a training yesterday where my advisor company just walked us through all the regulations and told us about our fiduciary responsibility that we have to do the right thing by our employees. And those are the ones that'll be most likely to um, not shoot everything down if you if you think you've got a product that's better. Any, Matt Jackson, did you have a question? Okay. Well, hey, can um, you hear me, David? Yeah, I can hear you now. Thank you. First off, great presentation. I love the reminder to always treat people as humans and be and and, and create value for other folks. Just. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for bringing it front of mind and always keeping it front of mind for me. Question for you and for the group. You, uh, in your capacity, uh, as, as busy as you are, would you attend, if invited and worded the right way, a complimentary 401k workshop that was maybe 45 minutes that covered things from best practices, how to do a plan review, you know, top to bottom? Is that something that some somebody in your capacity might be interested in? Either a singular event or maybe a series uh, over a lunchtime, three consecutive weeks in a row for 30 minutes, where first you you know different subjects each in each of the series. Maybe you got an invitation for from your local Sherm chapter, or maybe through LinkedIn, or maybe through a, a video email. Thanks for answering. Yeah, I, I definitely think if you're asking me, um, I'll just tell you last night, like when I was thinking about presenting to you guys, it was a little bit intimidating for me because I'm not an expert in your arena uh, like I should be. That's a development opportunity for me. But it's, it's really hard to go out there and just find um, just a quick summary of end-to-end -end 101 um, how it all works uh, without spending costs. So I do think free education is a good opportunity to get people connected and understand it because the, a lot of the workshops we're clicking on right now are, you know, come spend 45 bucks, um, come travel. The virtual world is starting to create people and companies to not spend any money on travel. So I don't know doing in person's needed. I, I definitely think if you're asking me, someone else like me or someone that's just starting up their career in HR and they're the HR department of one um, free education. If it just came across as, Hey, not trying to sell here. I just want to help people understand 401ks nuts and bolts so they can be experts like I am. Um, that plays really well to me because I don't really want to build a relationship with someone right now to you know, move out my 401k because we're in a good place. But I do want someone that's going to educate me uh, just in a quick fashion. Um, and I can get that from my current advisor. But sometimes we're just looking for a diverse perspective because um, everyone's biased in some way. So if you can get, you know, multiple perspectives, I do think it helps. And the free, I think they can, it can only help you. And that's a classical marketing approach on a lot of things is, 
You're seeing a lot of great marketing out there right now where they're saying, hey, just click this button and you can get a free white paper. Um, a lot of us are getting sucked into that. And then they pop you, <laughs> then they pop you, hey, thanks for signing up to this. Now, if you do this, you can get the extra, 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 extra version of this by for only $9.99. It's the free upfront that is a key marketing principle out there right now that gets people in. And if you can do the free upfront without the $9.99 upgrade at the end, you'll, I think you'll get more people than you would otherwise saying, hey, come to our workshop for 50 bucks. Thank you for that. And being somebody who's in it for the long term, I kind of figure my mindset is if I provide value over time and they have more questions, who are they probably going to ask? They might ask their current broker, but they also might ask me. And um, it sets the table for me to potentially develop a stronger relationship because they've already heard me present. They understand my philosophy and they may see me as an expert now that I've put on a good presentation. So thank you for saying that at least you'd be open to it. Yeah, I would be. I, I would be. And I, I just, the long term's the key. And I don't know, that long term really sticks with me because uh, my father-in-law, for example, he, uh, he was really, a, he was an insurance broker that really struggled for a long time, but he had a relationship of 20 years with a guy that came to him his last five years and transformed his, his ability to retire in one, one sale. And so um, I don't know if it's the same with 401ks, but you know, it's that long-term relationship that at some point they'll buy. Um, and if, you, if they're willing to stick around in the relationship, eventually you're going to be on the table to be considered if you're the right size and fit for their company. Hey, David, this is Shannon. I have a quick question for you. Yeah. And it kind of goes along with don't tell them their baby's ugly. Yeah. Um, we as TPAs oftentimes get questions where we find out that the plan has a lot of problems. I had one call me yesterday, as a matter of fact, that there's definitely a control group issue and they haven't been offering the plan to the other nine companies the guy owns. I mean, it's a mess. Mm -hmm. As an HR person that's calling me, asking me questions, I mean, it tends to scare them, but I feel like I have to be honest with them. Do you want me to be honest and tell you, I think that we've got some pretty serious problems. We need to get some other people on the phone or wait until the fifth call to tell you, oh, you're really screwed up. <laughs> Like they're calling you or you're calling them? Who's, who's the They first actually person? called me first and started yeah. talking to me. And we ask a lot of questions that a lot of other TPA firms, especially the big bundled places, don't ask. I'm just trying to get a feel for the client. And it's pretty easy to find when the same owner owns eight other companies and they haven't been covering the other eight other companies. I mean, that's a problem. So... <laughs> The yeah. first thing you do is go, oh my God, you're in so much trouble. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think especially in the startup markets, um, I've seen so much miseducation, misunderstanding in Utah where it's one of the highest growth markets right now, but a lot of people get burned mm -hmm. because they just don't know what they don't know. So I, I do think if you, like the way you just said it, that you said, you know, I, I think you need to have someone really look at what you're doing because I, I'm looking on the outside in and there's clearly other information that I don't know, but I would tell you, you may have a risk that you need to look at that whoever's making the decisions on these accounts may not realize um, the risk that it's putting you guys in. I, 
I think you, you can package it in a way that, you know, you can let them know, Hey, this is my, this is my field. This is what I do. And, you know, I was able to look at this information and from the outside in, there's just some very clear alarms that if you ever got audited or you ever got caught doing what's happening, um, you might want to look at it, but I, I don't know for sure. I just think, you know, from what I'm seeing, it's worth looking at. Would you like me to help you look at it? Yeah, I've had to really learn to um, calm down my vocabulary over the past 25 <laughs> years because my first instinct is to go, oh my God, you're screwed. You're so done. And that scares them off right away. Well, and I, I mean, I told it from the start, one of those, um, one of those face cards, um, a lot of those are very insecure people that they, they don't want to admit their mistakes. They don't want to admit the reality. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I do think in HR... Um, one of the reasons I'm passionate in this marketplace of trying to get people to think differently about HR and not accept that they're just going to be shoved into a corner is I saw it in my organization. Um, people didn't like my function. I got feedback when I came in on how people need to change who they are. And a lot of what they were dealing with is a bunch of insecure people that just had to fight with the organization um, because they weren't respected. And so you do, do deal with insecurity um, with HR people, cause there's pecking orders of functions mm-hmm. and it is a lot different in like, if you were to talk to me, um, before two years ago, I, I didn't have time to accept that we were doing anything wrong. Cause I, I had so many things wrong. Yeah. Um, and then now- so we do that every time we get a new HR person for a large client, it's like, Oh God, here we go again. Cause <laughs> they come in and immediately have to prove their worth. Yeah. And one of the ways they prove their worth is by putting the 401k out to bid <laughs> and then telling us how much they know about the 401k plan. And I'm just like, okay, can I help please? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, no, I know how that is. I, yeah, it can be hard as an HR person because you're, you just have a lot of pressure on you to deliver something that in some organizations is impossible because the CEO sometimes doesn't want you to do innovative things. He just wants you to <laughs> buckle down and fire people the right way. Yeah. No, I appreciate, I appreciate the question. This is, this has been education for me just to see your guys' experience. Cause it's, um, it's helpful to, I don't know. It's just helpful to look at both sides of the street. Cause sometimes we don't have empathy for the, the different sides of the sales equation. So um, I, I know I've taken up too much time, so I'll just give my uh, my email address, if you ever wanted to chat or connect or ask questions, I'm always available just to help people understand how to think about HR. So um, my email address for JumpSpark is david at thejumpspark.com. Um, so if you ever wanted to connect, feel free to reach out. But um, otherwise, I appreciate what you guys do and appreciate the opportunity to help you. I'm just going to end with the song right here. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for the time. All right, episode's over. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to David so much. He was able to provide so much value for us. I also want to leave you two things to do. Take action. First, subscribe to the podcast and the YouTube channel. Make sure that you're following along because there's going to be continuous content in here to help you win more 401k business, and I want you to understand and learn from what we're doing. I also want you to text me. Text is the new way that people are connecting faster, quicker, 
Email is still really important, but text is even stronger. And I'm doing this to teach you how it works. So text me, 385-220-8548. Just shoot me a text, say hi, and I'll make sure you keep in the loop of all the things we're doing in the club to help you win more business. Get out there. Have a good day. See ya.